Lifted some stones, saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul. I stopped outside a church house where the citizens like to sit. They say they want the kingdom, but they don't want God in it. Yeah, I went with nothing, nothing but the thought of you. I went wandering. from the Mecca of Mormonism. This is Heart of the Matter. We're from Salt Lake City, Utah. My name is Sean McCraney and I'm your host. If you want to watch the show on streaming video, go to www.bornagainmormon.com and you can watch the show from anywhere in the world, streaming video right now. We also have archive shows that you can turn to and go back uh, as far as we've had the show. Nearly two years ago, we aired the first shows of these weekly hour-long live call-in presentations where I address and compare and contrast biblical Christianity with present-day Mormonism. Tonight may turn out to be the most critical show we have ever or will ever produce. Last week, United States presidential candidate Mitt Romney gave a speech in, in College Station, Texas, regarding his Mormon faith. Tonight, it is my intention to fairly and reasonably argue why the United States of America must not, must not elect an LDS or Mormon president. Please allow me to make something perfectly clear, however. I personally admire Mitt Romney. He's an attractive man. He's a fine communicator. He's demonstrably successful. And he appears to be a man of integrity who truly lives his faith. I find him humble and affable and believe that pound for pound, he in and of himself, more than any other candidate, uh, qualifies to be the next president of the United States. In his recent speech on his faith, Romney likened himself and the speech he was giving to the late John F. Kennedy and a campaign speech he gave regarding his faith, Catholicism. I suggest that absolutely no comparison exists between these two men. Mitt Romney is a far better man and Mormon than Kennedy was ever a Catholic. And this is the whole point. The Catholic faith of JFK was meaningless as he was notorious for breaking many of its most sacred tenets. Romney, on the other hand, is Mormon through and through. And while his dedication and devotion to such a clean living faith is to be admired, the object of his lifelong devotion, Mormonism, must be examined by every single American who chooses to put him in the White House. Allow me for the next 20 minutes or so to present some reasons why America cannot elect a Mormon president. Romney may deserve the office personally, but Mormonism does not, and this cannot be forgotten. Within 10 years of establishing the LDS Church, the political ambitions of Mormonism began to surface. The Book of Mormon is riddled with political themes popular in the day of author Joseph Smith, 
and it didn't take long for the church itself to embrace these political ambitions and militaristic attitudes within their growing ranks. In fact, in the last years of Joseph Smith's life, he came to prefer the title general to that of prophet or president of the church. Joseph oozed military prowess in his daily life, dressing in blue and gold braided uniforms, wearing high military boots, and a hat topped with flowing ostrich feathers. A United States art artillery officer witnessed a full dress parade of the Mormon militia in 1842. This militia was nearly 3,000 strong, and he wrote an article on June 17th in the New York Herald describing them as, quote, a fearful host filled with religious enthusiasm and led by ambitious and talented officers. The time will come when this gathering host of religious fanatics will make this country shake to its center. A Western empire is certain, he wrote, he wrote end quote. To be sure, Mormonism, almost from its beginning, has sought, fought, strived, and worked to become a world power. Speaking of politics... Founder Joseph Smith once said, quote, One man empowered by Jehovah has more influence with the children of men than 800 million men led by the precepts of man. The important thing to remember about this statement is Joseph and Mormonism today believe that they and they alone are empowered by Jehovah. They and they alone are the only ones on this earth who have his authority. They believe this. Joseph Smith's ultimate intentions were to establish what he called the kingdom of God here on earth. To Mormons then and Mormons today, the kingdom of God is Mormonism. All right? It's not a mixture of diverse beliefs. It's not a body of believers, it's not an interfaith, it's not ecumenical, it's not non-denominational, it is Mormonism. That is the kingdom of God, all right? And it has been the intentions of Mormon leaders since 1840 for Mormonism to take over the world. Don't believe me? On March 11th of 1844, Joseph Smith began to organize what he hoped would eventually become a sovereign Mormon state, Illinois. And he secretly formed a council of 50 princes to become the highest court on this earth. Mormon Bishop George Miller, a member of this council of 50, wrote that, quote, the council of 50 would at once dominate the United States. Uh, one of the first actions this Council of Fifty took was to ordain, they laid their hands upon Joseph and ordained him as king of the kingdom of God. Joseph Smith said of himself, listen, quote, I calculate to be one of the instruments of setting up the kingdom of Daniel by the word of the Lord, and I intend to lay a foundation that will revolutionize the whole world. He continues, quote, It will not be by the sword or gun that this kingdom will roll on, he said. The power of truth is such that all the nations will be under the necessity of obeying the gospel. End quote. The political ambitions and rhetoric of Mormonism's founders go on and on, culminating in his running for the presidency of the United States, just like Mitt is doing 170 years later. 
Whether Mitt Romney shares in Joseph Steele political ambitions is unknown to me, but rest assured, Mormon leadership and the stalwart membership today of the church will use every second of his presidency to push their long-standing desire to rule the world, the Mormon way, which to them is the only way. Well, you may be saying to yourself, Joseph Smith was a long time ago and Mormonism has moved on beyond the days of militias and political motives and the goal of world domination. Allow a few quotes from the current president of the LDS Church given as recently as the October 2007 General Conference. Gordon B. Hinckley, listen to the tenor of these quotes that he gave to the listening saints. The church has become one large family scattered across the earth. There are now more than 13 million of us, of us, of us, in 176 nations and territories. A marvelous and wonderful thing is coming to pass. The Lord is fulfilling his promise that his gospel shall be as the stone cut out of the mountain without hands, which will roll forth and fill the whole earth as Daniel saw in vision. A great miracle is taking place right before our eyes. Today, we have become the fourth or fifth largest church in uh, North America, with congregations in every city of any consequence. Stakes in Zion today flourish in every state of the United States, in every province of Canada, and in every state in Mexico, in every nation of Central America, and throughout South America. Congregations are found throughout the British Isles in Europe, where thousands have joined the uh, church through the years. The work has reached out to the Baltic nations and down through Bulgaria and Albania and other areas of that part of the world. It reaches across the vast areas of Russia. It reaches down into Mongolia and all down through the nations of Asia, into the islands of the Pacific, Australia and New Zealand, and into India and Indonesia. It is flourishing in many of the nations of Africa. Our general conferences are carried by satellite and other means in 92 different languages. And this is only the beginning. This work will continue to grow and prosper and move across the earth. It must do so if Moroni's promise to Joseph is to be fulfilled. End quotes. In his speech last week, Mitt Romney said, quote, let me assure you that no authorities of my church or of any other church for that matter will ever exert influence on presidential decisions. Without questioning his integrity or intentions, we must take exception to such a statement in light of the facts. He also said, quote, if I am fortunate to become your president, I will serve no one religion, no one group, no one cause, and no one interest. A president must serve only the common cause of the people of the United States. Then in the next breath, he conceded, quote, I believe in my Mormon faith, and I endeavor to live by it. My faith is the faith of my fathers. I will be true to them and to my beliefs. Though motivating and inspiring, these statements are in frank opposition to each other based on the facts, and let me give you some examples as to why. First, Mormonism is a political machine that uses its power and influence to sway political decisions. 
In my home state of California several years ago, there was a proposition presented regarding a homosexual's right to marriage. I'm not commenting on whether that proposition was right or wrong. I'm commenting on the political sway Mormonism today uses to govern state affairs. Within the LDS wards and stakes of Southern California, bishops and stake presidents called on stalwart members of the church, I being one of them at the time, to not only put signs in their front lawns and campaign in opposition to the proposition, but to donate significant sums of money to the cause. I was given a specific dollar amount that I should give as a member of the stake high council. Here in the state of Utah, the Mormon church influences many of the decisions that serve to govern the state including liquor laws and aspects to the media. Yet candidate Romney said in his speech, quote, no religion should dictate to the state. His own religion has always been uh, uh, guilty of this very thing. Mormonism has worked very hard to establish itself in the acquisition of world languages, family records, the formation of an invasive missionary force, in real estate holdings, and in filling important positions in the CIA, the FBI, and other influential agencies and corporations. They are a multi-billion dollar tax-exempt mega conglomeration that maintains a fervent and unwavering effort to see Joseph's dream of world domination reach fruition. How are they accomplishing this? How have they grown so fast and so strong? A major factor is their effective and persistent use of temple rites and rituals. Now, our ministry has been very careful not to treat these secret rituals, I mean to treat these secret rituals with respect because Latter-day Saints have been taught to hold them so high on the list of sacredness. But I will tell you that every Mormon who enters an LDS temple is interviewed and asked twice before being allowed to go in a number of questions, and this is one. Do you sustain the LDS prophet and apostles as the only men on earth with the authority to speak for God? To this statement, they must say, yes, I agree. Then, once inside the temple, each person enters into a number of publicly presented covenants or agreements that they have to make. Candidate Romney is no exception. He has gone through the temple and he has made these promises, okay? Now, in the sacred or secret temple, he covenanted or promised with his right arm to the square before God and heavenly hosts and people around him that he would sacrifice, quote, all that he has, including his own safety and life, to sustain and defend the kingdom of God. And what do Mormons believe the kingdom of God is? Again, Mormonism. All right? It is the theocratic kingdom run and operated not by presidents of the United States, but by the prophet residing here in Salt Lake City. Candidate Romney, an ardent, faithful Latter-day Saint, also promises in the temple uh, of the church that he wholly supports and dedicates everything. These are some of the words they use. Himself his talents, his time, all the resources he has acquired, and all the resources he might acquire to what? To, quote, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for building the kingdom of God here on earth. These are promises he made to God in a religion to which he said he would be true. Finally, candidate Romney said, and I believe him when he says this, quote, 
I love the profound ceremony of the Catholic Mass, the approachability of God in the prayers of the Evangelicals, the tenderness of spirit among the Pentecostals, the confident independence of the Lutherans, the ancient tradition of the Jews unchanged through the ages, and the commitment to frequent prayer of the Muslims. Unfortunately, Mormonism historically, and even in the present day, does not support this personal perspective of Mitt Romney. Since the very beginning of the LDS Church, missionaries have got out into the world with a door-to-door -door message. And you probably have seen them in their white shirts or in their dresses, and they ride bicycles, and they walk through your neighborhood. And the message, this message that they share includes a story about a 14-year-old boy who enters a grove of trees to pray, and during his prayer, God appears to him. And he tells him, when Joseph asks, what church should I join? God says, do not join any of them. For they are all, all of them, the Lutherans, the Pentecostals, the Catholics, especially the Catholics, an abomination, and their teachers are all corrupt. This is a message Mormonism is taking throughout the world. All of them are corrupt. This message has not changed. Sit down with any Mormon missionary today in the world and ask them, is Mormonism the only acceptable religion to God? And if they're honest, they will say yes. Then ask them, will my faith get me to heaven to live with God? And if they are honest, they will say, the only way you can get to heaven is to become a Latter-day Saint. Why? Because this is what the teachings and doctrines of the church are. All the ecumenical openness of, of President or, uh, or of Candidate Romney uh, are nothing compared to what the Mormon Church truly teaches and believes. The LDS may spin it, they may dance back and forth on it, but in the end, these are their teachings. Now, in conclusion, the most quest important question every American has to ask themselves is this. Listen, this is the most important question you have to ask yourself relative to Mitt Romney running for president. What will it mean to Mormonism if the most powerful man in the world, the president of the United States, is a Mormon? It matters not what you think of candidate Romney. It doesn't matter what the other, if the other candidates are inferior to him or that our choices for the president are limited. It doesn't matter uh, that, the, uh, that he is more, more morally inclined than other candidates. What matters is what you think about the facts of Mormonism. Because in the end, if Mitt Romney takes office, it is Mormonism that will win. And it will win worldwide, and it will win big. They have waited for this day. They are prepared to take every advantage should it come. We can't let this happen. I like Mitt Romney, and I think he actually deserves the presidency in and of himself. But Mormonism does not deserve this grand association in the least. They have not been upfront. They've been manipulative, they're politically minded, and they have done many things, not honest, in protecting their image and keeping many people in bondage. Mitt Romney is a stellar star of the church. And unfortunately, it's kind of sad to say, you shouldn't be the president because you're Mormon, but you shouldn't, because the church will get legs because of it. If he becomes the president, again and in conclusion, the LDS Church will do what they have always done. 
they will take it, they will build upon it, and, and they will get you to serve their own special kingdom willingly, and possibly you will do it forcefully in the end. I, it's incomprehensible to me that any thinking person could think that it's okay if they're Mormon, he's a good guy and will make a good president. Look to see what it will do to, to uh, give more growth and more power to this institution that has uh, sought it for so long. All right, let's go to the phones, uh, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. While the operators are uh, uh, taking the calls and going through them, um, let me give the in-house shout-outs. Tonight we have Mary Ellen, Janet, Betty, Glenn, Glenn, Steve, Mary, Scott, and Sam Williams from California, all the way from California. We have Dan, Dan Bailey, Dan B, Paul C, the Jeds family, Jed Jr., Jake, Tanya, uh, Lane, Kendall, Maggie, Matt, Dave, and Donna. So we have a large crowd here and another special guest you'll meet later on. So, uh, so it's an exciting show. Listen, some shout outs to Tyson and Alex, fantastic young men that I have seen uh, recently at some events. And uh, you guys keep going on. Follow the Lord. It's going to be great. To Ruthen. Ruthen was a caller last week. And uh, she gave, we have received a lot of emails about our conversation uh, that we had on the air. Many people are praying Ruth Ann is really your name. Uh, that Ruth Ann will, uh, eyes will open and ears will open to hear the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we want to thank all those of you who support the ministry through prayers. God bless you. We had an open house last week, KTMW open house, and a great crowd turnout somewhere between 2.50 uh, and 3, I think. And uh, lots of uh, good food, music, gifts, fun. And uh, we love seeing you all there. We'll do it again next Christmas. Pastor in the pub tonight at Denny's, 500 South, 250 West. We hope you'll join us. Lord's Word, it's a church that we've constructed, a parachurch, I should say. We meet on Sunday mornings from 9.15 to 10.15 a.m., just an hour. Come, you can worship with us, pray with us, and then we just go through and we read the Bible verse by verse and teach what it means. If you're not into religion or you become burned out by religion, we welcome you to come to Lord's Word and, uh, and experience that. Um, and then let's go. We are going to Mike in Draper on line one. Mike, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, thanks for taking my call. A couple of very quick questions. Uh, what about members of other are there other religious faiths whose members should not be elected to the to the presidency? Well, I would I would think that maybe a member of the Taliban could be dangerous. Uh, so Mormons and Taliban. What? Who else? Well, the, the the difference between the other faiths is they don't have an interconnectedness. They don't have a structured organization where they, uh, you know, the the uh, where the purpose and the genesis of the church was in assuming world control. Okay, so what about Muslims? Well, um, you, I don't think they have a network. I think if they're just uh, 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 typical Muslims, I'm not sure it would matter, except for the country was founded on the Judeo-Christian ethic and Christians coming over here and establishing it. And we still are, for a majority, a Christian nation. So I think having a Muslim president could be in conflict. Okay, and what about atheists? 
Uh, atheists, to me, uh, might be in the same uh, difficulty, but to me, if, if they uh, were a moral uh, person and who um, they may not believe in God, but they did have a certain morality, it would not be as, as reprehensible to me as a Mormon. Okay. So, so far, Mormon, Taliban, Muslim. Now, another question. What about, say, voting for a Mormon for U.S. Senate? Well, I mean, all it does is, is feed the feed the coffers and, and put them more in a position for more power. So, and the and again, the only reason I say it is that's been their ambition is to take over the world. So I'm against any Mormons holding any political office, even governor of Utah. Sure. Even though Mormons are, I guess, 60, 70 percent of the state, you'd be opposed to any one of them running. Well, it just gives them more power. It gives them voice. It gives them, you know, they're one state of 50 in our nation, and they, it gives them just more power. And also a Mormon governor of Utah, it's, it, to me, it's a conflict of interest. I mean, it seems like that should almost be a law that they shouldn't have a Mormon governor. Why is that? Well, I mean, because then it becomes a theocracy. Why should you have somebody where the, you know, there's people in the state who aren't LDS and they have to live under the edicts of a governor who, who supports the church the same way Mitt Romney would? Well, would that be like saying, should a Southern Baptist be governor of Texas? I mean, you know, you no, know because or, or a Catholic being governor of Massachusetts, should that be against the law too? Well, you know, I don't think it's the same thing because Massachusetts and, and, and Texas don't have the same theocratic oppression that Utah has always had. Well, I think that's debatable. I think that theocracy thing is more uh, more of a good statement than anything else. But yeah. one other thing, I'm not going to argue on that. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, but I, one thing you got to keep in mind, everyone knows Romney's a flip-flopper, right? Yeah. Okay, so maybe on the, the temple, uh, temple oaths, he'll flip-flop on those. <laughs> that's a good point. That's funny. Uh, maybe he would. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. We're going to Steve in Salt Lake City on line two. Steve, you're on Heart of the Matter. How are you? Hey, doing well. How are you? Good. I, uh, I had two things I wanted to talk to you about. Yes. One is that um, I'm a little bit concerned that you might be putting your nonprofit status in, in some endangerment because for losing your tax-exempt status by coming out against Mitt Romney. Yeah. Uh, you can do anything you want as an individual, but you cannot use a nonprofit or a religious status. Uh, so I'm concerned about that. Yeah. Yeah, I would have thought that if it was as egregious uh, a breach as, as we might think, that the LDS Church would have lost their nonprofit status a long time ago. Well, there's a difference between issues and candidates under yeah. the law. So I'm just, uh, just giving yeah. you a little... Yeah, I appreciate the concern. I, I would be uh, interested in to see what uh, has gone on with the uh, ward lists and the stake directories and the calls made to certain people uh, to support Mitt Romney within the, the church. The thing is, if, when that, if and when that happens, you've got to prove it and you've got to take it to the IRS. You're on public TV, so well, I, uh, it doesn't take a lot to prove that you spoke out against a candidate. It would be, uh, well, it would almost be worth it to me. Uh, anyway, that's just... <laughs> but go ahead. It's a friendly caution. Yeah, thank uh, you. The second thing I wanted to talk to you about, I've been wanting to talk to you about this for some weeks, is that it, I'm, I'm very interested that um, you focus so much uh, attention on the Bible as being, uh, some, I guess, sort of the end-all and be-all uh, in terms of religious uh, discussion, but yet the very people who put the Bible as we pretty much know it today together, mm -hmm. that is, decided which books were in, which books were out, mm -hmm. was the Catholic Church. So I want to know how come you're not all Catholics. Well, I, I think that uh, 
we, you know, when you say the Catholic Church today, that uh, there's a different impression than of what the Catholic Church was in the early years of uh, putting together the canon. And I think that, yeah, there's always been corruption with men, but I do believe that the God who balances this universe and keeps uh, just enormous bodies spinning and, and all the way down to the subatomic level, this God who creates all that, I believe that he could bring through the books that we need to, to, to have in our, in our Bible. So I, I don't think the Catholic Church today is representative of the Catholic Church then, the universal church. And so, and I do, you know, books like uh, uh, Josh McDowell's Evidence Demands a Verdict and Evidence Demands a Verdict Two, and Norm Geisler's books about the authenticity and trustworthiness of the Bible. I, 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 I read through those and I believe, and it is a belief, but I believe that the Bible is infallible and I think that it is sufficient to lead us to salvation and that uh, we can trust it. Uh, so I understand your point, and it is a point that the higher critics use against the Bible, but to me, I think this all-omniscient, powerful God can bring it forth to us in good order. Well, it's not a question of being against the Bible. It's a question of understanding its, uh, where it came from and what it's... Uh, I mean, it's obviously full of a compilation of history, inspiration, sure. um, what, what shall we say, um, good examples... Uh, there are lots of bad examples, too. Uh, I'd like to recommend a book to you and all of your um, uh, viewers. It's called God, the Biography by Jack Miles. It's a Pulitzer Prize-winning book. Huh? Anyone who read that would be very, very impressed with the, the texture and the progression that people went through to uh, get to monotheism. Huh? And that, to me, it's a very, very fascinating book. Um, it's a Pulitzer Prize-winning book. What's it called again? It's called God, the Biography by Jack Miles, and it's a Pulitzer Prize-winning book. He pulls a lot of original Hebrew out. And one of the things that I like about it is that um, he takes, uh, basically his, his thesis is to take God, the character of God, yeah. and to go through and say, this is what God said, this is what God was, as opposed to somebody over here said this, somebody over there said that. I'll, I'll check it out, and uh, we'll do a, 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 a Utah version of Opa's Book Club and see if we can recommend that or not. Yeah, I, I think that it's, uh, in some ways it cuts both ways. It both, um, I would say it in me, it created a much greater respect for the tremendous history of the development of monotheism. All and right, I, I just want to say one thing about what that means to me, if you have a moment. Steve, you got to really cut it short. we got a lot of people waiting. To me, a way of, of, of sort of tying in the whole idea of one God yeah. uh, with modern science is that physics says that all is one, okay. everything. Everything is one, and to me, that, that monotheism is a paradigm for that. Okay. Steve, i got to cut it at that. I appreciate your call and the book recommendation. We'll go from there. Take care. Thanks, man. Bye. Hear, old Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Lord is one. That's the great Shema. Every Jew has believed in one God. Every, uh, uh, even Islam believes in one God. All of Christianity believes in one God. The only nations that were ever polytheistic were heathen, pagan, 
And, uh, and so I stack by the, the great Shema and believe in one God. But we'll, I'll read that book and we'll give a report on that later on. We're going to Sarah in, or, in Orem. And I've had bad luck with Sarah's. So let's see what happens. Sarah, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm Dandy. How are you? Dandy? <laughs> Good. Um, this is what I'm wondering. Having spent 18 years as a Mormon, okay. um, having gone to the temple, uh-huh. after I read uh, Mr. Romney's speech in the paper the other day, yeah. what I'm wondering is, um, wouldn't you feel that that would almost be grounds for excommunication? Uh, no, because I, I think, oh, goodness. I mean, you know, if Mitt Romney was some poor farmer and he got up and he said it and uh, he made that comment, yeah, they'd probably X him. But because he's Mitt Romney and he's worth $250 million and he's running for president, they're going to give him every ounce to get that, that uh, position. And then they'll that's, come and talk to him. That's what I meant. I mean, for him, no, they're not going to. But if it was Mr. Jones or Mr. Smith, yeah, I, I'm certain that if I had given that, that speech, I would have been excommunicated because oh, no yeah. one's going to tell me, no religion's going to, no one in my church is going to tell me what to do. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, what, you know, the guy that was just talking about the Bible. Yeah. And about, you know, you know the fact that the Catholics translated. Okay, you know, the original translation of the Bible by the, by the Catholics was in Latin, and it was not written for us. It was written for the priests, the high priests, or whatever. Yeah. So we really can't use that as an example of, of what God wanted us to hear because, you know, they, they only wanted it for the priest. And Second Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is inspired by God. Sure. And if you're going to believe the Bible, you got to believe every word of it. Yeah, I agree with you. A great call. Thanks so much. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was a nice Sarah. I, I, I like that. All right. We're going to Frank in Spanish Fork. Frank, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, how's it going, Sean? Hey, Frank, I'm doing well. How are you? Hey, I love your show. I don't miss it. You know, my my family hates it, and they make me go go downstairs and watch it. How dare them? <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, speaking of excommunicating uh, errant politicians, that Harry Reid is one that the Mormon Church needs to to to, to look into. You know, he supports abortion. There's never been an abortion bill that he didn't love. And uh, nine kinds of other things that are go against human uh, freedom, freedom of choice, and free will. He's the biggest fascist that ever come down the pike. Wow! He should be called in and on the carpet. Well, I, you know what? I'm so I'm really ignorant on this topic. I, I you know, and so I can't comment on him at all. But uh, a He's, fine call. Uh, he might already be discommunicated. Dis- I don't know. <laughs> I like that discommunicated. <laughs> It's a combination between disfellowshipped and excommunicated. Yeah. Uh, and there's a great saying that goes on down here. It goes, uh, it goes when, all, when all us Mormons go to hell, we'll just put down some carpet, a low-heat glass, a little air conditioning, and the place won't be so bad. Yeah, that's a, that's a quote Joseph Smith said, too, but in different words. Is that what he said? Well, it, it really won't be. Yeah. The, the Mormons really do some stuff. Some stuff. And I don't think that they would really take over the world, even if they got the opportunity. All right, Frank. Thanks for the comments, man. You have a good night, and get back up with your family. Okay. All right, take care. Well, I'm going to watch your show. I'm not going to go. Okay. All right, thanks. I love you. I love you, too. Bye-bye. Hey, see ya.
Okay. You gotta love guys like Frank. All right, we're going to Vicky and Layton. Vicky. Yeah, you'll have to Vicky needs some hormone treatment. Um, hello, Tom. Then he's on. Okay. Wait. Uh, hello. Hello. You're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. This is Tom. Um, sorry, I just got off the phone with your lady. That was real weird. Hey, question: What role does the white horse prophecy still hold in the general? practicing uh church you know the, just to let the viewers know the white horse prophecy is that the uh constitution of the united states was gonna is gonna hang by a thread and uh that the mormon elders will come in and save the constitution from certain destruction and um you know i've heard different sides of it and i gotta ask uh, sandra tanner who's the expert on these things in my opinion and at least as far as the factual research goes She's at www.utlm.org. And Sandra Tanner, I'm going to ask her, but I think in my experience, that has been bannered about as much as families are forever. I mean, I have heard that comment about the Constitution was going to hang by a thread, and they have talked about the elders coming in and saving it forever. Sp uh, what's that, Hatch? Hatch was supposed to be some white horse that was coming in. And I believe they probably believe Mitt is, uh, is uh, coming in to save it too. Um, but I don't know exactly uh, how it fits with exactly what was said and where it was, and so I won't comment on uh, the Mormon's official position. But I do know off the record it is always talked about within the church. Okay, well, hey, uh, Desiree says hi as well, Sean. Hi, Desiree. <laughs> thanks, thanks for calling, man. Yeah, see ya. See you later. Bye-bye. We're going to Cambria in West Valley on line two. Cambria, you're on Heart of the Matter. You got to turn your TV down, Cambria. Oh. Where'd my nephew? That's off. Is this Sean? This is. Oh, I'm sorry. How about it was the guy that interviewed me? No, it, it's me. <laughs> okay, question for you, sir. Yes, ma'am. My big concern here is if we have Mitt Romney is the only person to choose from, and you've got, though he's somewhat moral, and you've got some other schmuck who is amoral. Yeah. How do you make a decision on who to vote for? Because you don't want to vote for the Mormon church, but I also don't want someone in the office that's anti-life, that's pro-abortion, uh, you know, all those other moral issues. Yeah. Well, you know what? It just depends on, uh, on uh, where the faith and heart lies. I would rather have, and this is going to probably get me into trouble, I would rather have Hillary Clinton because at least with her, you know what she stands for, and you know what to expect, and you know what the, uh, the outward uh, drive is of the woman. Yeah. And it, people who are going to get abortions are going to get them. And so I, I, I don't believe our salvation lies in a political figure. And I think God, like he worked with the king of Babylon, mm -hmm. he can work with Hillary. Uh, but Mitt, he comes on in a bright, shiny uh, suit, and people look at him as this... You know, you're going to see Africans and South Americans and Europeans and people saying, Mitt Romney, boy, he's, he's the president and he's Mormon. And the Mormon church is going to swell like a grape in the sun. Actually, they dry. But uh, <laughs> the Mormon church is going to swell like something. And, and then we have people who are stuck in bondage to a religion thinking that they're good with God and not knowing Jesus Christ at all. So I'm sorry. I take the other approach and say, let's put... 
whoever, you know, let's put whoever's going to be in there and who's going to do a good job as, as, as an administrator in foreign affairs and taxes and healthcare, whatever it is, it's not going to be perfect. But man, I just don't, uh, I, I would rather th see that than a Mormon. Okay, well, that's interesting. Uh, I got to tell you that you, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this too, but I think if Hillary gets in, the Lord will return. So that's why I'm well, praise vote. God. Vote for Hillary. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Well, thanks, friend. Take care. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow, this is an interesting show. You know, I try to be so apolitical, and uh, it's really getting interesting. Let's go to Mike in Aura. Mike. Mike, uh, there's an open line for anybody searching. Mike is not there. And uh, I guess the operators are still working on the calls. So uh, let me go to uh, email. The standard email, and I guess tonight's as good of a show as any, is, Sean, why do you pick only on the LDS church? It's the one we get all the time. That's all the guy does is pick on the LDS church. Really quick summation, I love the LDS church because there's people in that church that I have spent 40 years of my life with. Some of them are the salt of the earth, but they are misled completely by what the church tells them, what the doctrines are, and then what the result is in their heart. I sat in uh, Carl's Jr. Uh, yesterday, and uh, there were 14 missionaries who were in there from a district meeting, and I sat across from all of them. I said, 14 missionaries. Well, let's talk. And one of them decided to come up and sit across from me, and he was going to show me you know, what the truth was. And the questions I asked him, it was horrible. It was just horrible what this young man didn't know or thought he knew about religion, Salvation, we talked about salvation. It was all about what you have to do. You know, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do this. It was just a horrible spectacle. And, and so I see this bondage that people are in, and I've experienced the liberty of Christ. And I've experienced what it means to walk in the Lord. And yes, it, it's, uh, it's more difficult to not have people telling you exactly what to believe and think and say and do and wear and eat and drink and what to do on Sundays and what not to do. It's more difficult, but it causes you to look to God and say, help me, because I'm failing in this area, and he does. So um, we talk about Mormonism because I know Mormonism. Mormon uh, family and friends are still LDS, and I believe that's what the Lord wants me to do. So uh, all the lines are full. Keep trying. Um, Sam from Salt Lake City on line one. Sam, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah. Sam. You're on the air. Hey, John. Hey. Hey. You're on the air, Sam. Okay, Sam. I'm I'm asking about that. Wait a second, I can't hear you. Go again. Hey. Oh. Okay, Sam. Um uh John. Sorry. Why why LDS uh really, really Huh? Why what? Anyone understand that? Okay. Sam, say it one more time. Okay. I'm, uh, my question is, why LDS protecting the church? Why am I uh, uh, going after the LDS church? Yeah, why LDS protecting, they're not protecting God? Why aren't they protecting or why aren't they presenting God? Why they're protecting the church? They're really angry anybody talk about LDS. They're oh. angry. Okay. Um, Sam, I'm gonna, are you uh, uh, Polynesian? 
Yes. I wish I had a what, Tongan? Yes, that one that we met last week. Oh, Sam, good to hear you. Yes. Uh, you know, I don't know why. I don't have the answer to that. I'm sorry. Yes. Okay, my brother, call, uh, call, call back or maybe we can meet again and talk. Yes. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. He's a really nice man. I just couldn't uh, hear him or understand him too well. We're going to Alan from South Jordan. Alan, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, a couple of quick questions. Um, you mentioned that Mormons teach that you have to be Mormons to get into heaven. What happens to all the other, uh, what do Mormons believe happens to all the other uh, non-Mormons who don't accept Mormonism? What happens to them according to Mormon doctrine? Yeah, do they burn in hell for eternity? No, uh, in Mormon doctrine, they get to go to a kingdom. Okay, okay. That's... You know that, Alan. Well, I know, but you didn't explain it. I... I, I think you ought to be clear. Uh, one other quick question. Some, uh, someone was asking you about different people that might run uh, uh, theoretically against uh, Mitt Romney. What about Anton LaVey, if you don't know who he is? I know who he is. All right, head of the church, First Church of Satan. Yeah, and they have a network that they, too, would like to take over the world, so I would say no. Oh, good, good, okay. All does, right. that, does that help? I thought you would equate the two. You I, ought to do a program I on wouldn't them. Think, I wouldn't think Anton LaVey and, and his purposes were any different than Mormonism's. Uh, okay, but you ought to pick on them uh, uh, once in a while. Well, I don't, know the, I don't know Satanism outright like I do Mormonism. It's funny they both end in ism. Uh, nobody else picks on them, but uh, somebody ought to, you know, really. Uh, well, maybe you ought to take up that cause, Alan. I just yeah, don't have enough information about Anton LaVey. Well, there's hundreds of organizations that are that are picking on the Mormons, and uh, uh, everybody's just laughing about the uh, First Church of Satan. But anyway, um, so uh, but maybe you're maybe so what you're suggesting is there's some other reason that the Mormons are being picked on, and, and I would suppose that you're thinking it's because they have the truth. Uh, yes, of course. Yes, of course. Yeah. All right. Anything else, Alan? No, that's it. Thanks. All right, man. Bye, bye. All right, I don't have my emails here. Uh, I had two with me. Uh, would anyone like to come up and sing from the audience? Any other calls? Our lines are full, but we are, our operators are not uh, getting them through here. So um, they're going to go get some emails. We'll wait for the operators to put them through. We have Vicki on line three from Layton. Vicki, you're on Heart of the Matter. Okay. You're on the air, Vicki. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. You're on the air. Okay. Vicki? Yes. You, your question? My question is, I wanted to find out um, Sean's, billings, um, Sean's billings on a patriarchal blessing. This is Sean. You're on the air. Hi, Sean. Hey, I wanted to find out your feelings on a patriarchal blessing. Well, um, those are really interesting. And uh, what those are, for those of you who don't know, is there's somebody in a stake, which is a, uh, a, an area of a, a number of congregations, and he's called a stake patriarch, and he lays his hands on the heads of the people who want a patriarchal blessing. And he tells them what their life, what the Lord has planned for their life if they're faithful. And then he does this in a recorder, and then they take this recording and they type out this blessing for each person, and they give it to them. Now, uh, I, I don't know uh, every patriarchal blessing, but I've heard from my own family some very outlandish ones. 
I know for a fact in one stake in Southern California that every patriarchal blessing was virtually the same. I don't know what happens with them. Maybe some of them God does speak to the guy and, and help the person in their life. I don't know. But I just know that it has nothing to do with, with uh, biblical salvation or the message of Jesus Christ. So, uh, and maybe there's even some dark forces that help out with the patriarchal blessing. All of those factors are possible. But uh, when it comes to how God established his church, Joseph made his father uh, the, patri the first patriarch of the church, and he gave him some recognition and some things to help him. And uh, so and that's how the whole thing started. That, those are my thoughts on it, Vicki. It's the best I can do. Okay. Yeah, because what I wanted to find out is, I mean, I've had, I, I was raised LDS, uh -huh. and I'm not active. I haven't been active for some time. Uh -huh. um, but my mom, um, I know they're kind of sacred. You're not supposed to discuss them a lot. But my mom was very open with her patriarchal blessing, and so was my father. Uh -huh. And um, there's a lot of things that, that were, you know, told to my mom in her patriarchal blessing. A lot of them seemed to come to pass. Um, I think they were very vague, so we could pick things out of it that applied to her life. Right. Um, but one of the things in there said that she would not be able to journey to Missouri with the rest of us when we were all called back there. Wow. And my mom passed away about a year ago. And so my thoughts were, is it, you know, I just wondered if, you know, if it was a kind of like a legitimate thing. I mean, a no. lot of people go by them very thoroughly. And I just wondered, because they say the older you get, and you get them, they're more vague. But I think they're vague in the first place. And I just wondered what your thoughts were on those. I think they are a lot like, in vagaries and a lot like horoscopes, they speak in universal terms. Mm -hmm. You know, you will not be able to journey with the saints back to Missouri. Well, that's a, you know, that's a real shoot, especially if your mom was older. And, you know, I mean, you could say that. And what if she did journey back? You know, if they journey back at all, it would be like uh, evidence that there's some truth to it. So I think things like that are easy to say, and I think they speak in universal terms. But every now and then, maybe they say something that's right. And so people really glom onto that and say, it must be true, it must be true. But uh, really, I think anybody could do it. We ought to do a show where I give some patriarchal blessings to 10 people. And 10 years from now, we see how many of the things I said came true in their life. And I bet you would find some of the things did, and it didn't come from anything but my own brain. Mm -hmm. I understand. Hope that helps. I hope it does, too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye-bye. We're going to Randy and Murray. Randy, Randy, you're on Heart of the Matter. Randy? Randy. Okay, we're going to put Randy on hold, and we're going to BL in West Valley. BL, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, this is Brad. Oh, sorry, Brad. That's Okay. You're on the air, man. Yeah, all right. The agnostic libertarian from Lehigh. Oh, excellent. How are you? <laughs> I'm pretty good. It's I called in tw two, two or three times before. Uh, yeah, my question for you was... Yeah, my question for you was, uh, is there any Republican candidate other than Romney that you would go for, vote for? I, I, I don't uh, know. I haven't looked at them. Uh, the, my purpose in talking about Romney was relative to his Mormonism. So as far as who to vote for on my end, I have absolutely no idea. So you don't, you're, you're not looking at any Republican candidates? Uh... No, I personally am not. I haven't given any time at all. I was just concerned with the speech that Mitt Romney gave relative to the promises he's made in the temple and what's required of him as a member of the church. Uh, you're, that, that's, yeah, I understand that part, but... 
I appreciate you being apolitical. You're one of the most apolitical, born-again Christians I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't necessarily bode well with my reputation among my brothers, but uh, that's how it goes. Uh, yeah, I understand, um, because I've met some born-again Christians that think that they think that their mission in life is to get rid of this or that strip club or make abortion tougher. Yeah, it's huge within the church, and there are whole entire radio and television programs, ministries, churches. They spend all their time on correcting the social issues. But I would say when Jesus stood before Pilate and, and Pilate questioned him, he said, my kingdom's not of this world. And if it was, my servants would pick out swords and fight. But it's not of this world, and, and, and I believe Jesus was uh, apolitical, and I think he had a message, and his message is salvation through him. And that's what Christians should spend their time teaching and preaching is Jesus. And that's the antidote to the uh, ills of society. I know that that is going to be a heap of criticism, but that is just my firm belief that we should not uh, even care. Yeah, I've asked them if you going out of your way to stop this or that social ill and but then if you believe in um if you believe in christ's return then what's the point if you believe he's going to come back and you'd think they'd want to hasten it wouldn't you yeah <laughs> I, hey I, I appreciate your call yeah you might uh next time i'll call in and you'll have to explain the concept of sin to me because i think it's all man-made yeah well, I don't think you believe that, Brad. You know when you sin. What? Uh, <laughs> you know. You know when you sin, Brad. I don't have, just because I like to be with the opposite sex doesn't mean I... Please don't go into your proclivities on the air. We'll talk to you later, man. Okay. I apologize. Thanks. Never mind. Okay, bye-bye. We're going to Randy on line two. Randy, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. How are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I'm glad you brought up the, all that Mitt Romney stuff. Yeah. It's, it's something that needs to be talked about. Um, I have it on good information that he was seen. You cut me off, dude. No, I'm still here, but it sounds like you were going to say something rude, were you? What? <laughs> okay, we're going to let you go, and we're going to go to Corrine in Pleasant Grove. Corrine, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, hi. 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 I just wanted to make a quick comment yes. um, about Mitt Romney. Um, I'm a born-again um, Mormon, first of all, and I just want to thank you for your book. It was great. Oh, thanks. Um, my husband um, works with a guy, and he was saying that um, he was not going to vote for Mitt Romney. He's a Mormon um, because he didn't, <clears throat> he didn't agree with some of the issues um, that Mitt Romney proposed, and um, my husband went back to him the next day. I asked him to ask him a question, and I asked him if the president of the church asked him, told him to vote for Mitt Romney if he would, and he said yes. Yeah. And I just want to make the comment that I think that's very sad that the Mormons um, listen to a, a prophet yeah. and uh, don't look to God. Yeah, that's a gr that's a great comment, Corinne. I really appreciate it because that is that is the mindset of most faithful LDS. If the prophet said Mitt, they would do it. Yeah, and I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens over the next year with the church and if they do tell their um, people to vote for Mitt Romney or not. Right. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye.
Uh, we are going to G. I'm going to go to B. So try line four. BL, you're on Heart of the Matter. You got to be quick. Sean, how's it going tonight? Doing well. Good. Hey, uh, real, real quick, you, you mentioned something about, uh, you know, as long as. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember what word you used. That you don't want to. You don't want Mitt Romney in there because he's Mormon, but you would you would accept a Muslim and or an atheist before Mitt Romney because he's Mormon. Is that correct? No, I didn't say a Muslim or an atheist because their their ties. No, I'm sorry. Those are the only two others that you yeah. wouldn't want yeah. in office. Correct? Yeah, but I said I did. I think I did say an atheist. Uh, probably yes, because at least with an atheist, you know their decisions are godless, and you can you can see it for what it is. Uh, with with Mitt, uh, it takes people and it gives them the uh, under the auspices of religion, and it would bring people into the church. and I and I think that's just as uh, it's more uh, difficult. Oh, okay, all right. Well, um, where do you think that you would fall in the uh, the candidate running due to the fact that you're a musty clam? Perfect. Well, there is a musty clam candidate. Did oh, you? Who is, there? Who, yeah. who is the musty clam? I'm talking to him. Oh, Whoa! Woo! That would give him, man. Yeah! I knew that name BL was going to be something. That's what I went for. We're going to Jason from Salt Lake City. Jason, you're on the air, but you've only got about uh, one minute. Okay, can you turn on your TV? Hello? Hello? Hello. You're on the air, Jason. No, this is Randy. Randy, you're on the air. Okay, I got one question for you. Um, you've read the Book of Mormon? Yeah. Many times. Oh, yeah. Did you pray about it? Certainly. Okay, well, what did you get? I, well, obviously, Randy, um, there, there's a whole d discussion about praying for things and to find out if they're true uh, versus using what the Bible says to find out uh, I'm not thing. talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the Book of Mormon. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And to you read the Book of Mormon, and have you prayed about it? Yes, I've prayed about it. Okay, what answer did you get? Uh, well, I found out that the Book of Mormon is a complete farce. But i got to end because we got a special well, guest. I'm sorry. Oh. Call next week. Special guest, come up here really quickly. This is Cassidy from California, Hello. my middle daughter, and we have a shout-out to do. Cassidy, start the shout-outs. Mom. Oops. <laughs> Delaney, <laughs> Mallory, Dadder, Madeline, and Raven. And uh, we wanted to shout out to them and tell them we love them. And listen, God bless you all. We uh, hope that we were loving and didn't offend you. And uh, we will see you all next week. Here <laughs> on Heart of the Matter. Yes! See you then.